WAJR AM and FM. This is the talk of the town. From Morgantown to Clarksburg, if it's happening, we're talking about it. Call the show toll-free at 1-800-765-8255. Now, here are your hosts for the talk of the town, Dave Wilson and Sarah Giosi. Good morning. Welcome into the program. Talk of the town with Dave and Sarah. Hope your day is getting off to a good start. It's going to be another nice one today. Rain later. We'll talk about that at some point. 800-765-8255 is the phone number. 304-TALK-304, the text line. And uh, I am on the Twitter machine at Dave Wilson MN is my Twitter handle. Sarah's on Twitter, but she doesn't use it. So just tweet at us at Dave Will. Um, what's our Twitter handle? At Dave and Sarah AM is our Twitter handle. <laughs> our one joint piece of property. Good morning, yeah. Sarah. <laughs> Hi. Good morning, Dave. How you doing over there? Hey, can't complain. No, we're in the Taj Mahal. Yeah. We're 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 slumming it here at Hoppy Studios for the week. Yeah. I have to rush about to get here on time, but it's it's a lot bigger than our studio. Ours is a little more cozy. It know? is. It's a little more it's a little more comfy. You know what? Even whenever you are in such a, a nice facility as this, it's not your home it's not your home you know, field. You know what it feels like? It feels like when you would go to tell me if your grandmother or your mother had this, the living room that you didn't actually use. Right. Do you remember that? Yes. That's what this feels like. Yeah. My grandma had that. This is sure. where you, you you know, you go to your grandma's house and your mother spends fifteen minutes before you go in. Mm-hmm. Don't spill anything on the carpet. Don't mm-hmm. even take a don't take your Kool-Aid. We had Kool-Aid. Mm-hmm. Don't take your Kool-Aid into the living room. Just sit there, put your hands on your lap, and do not move. Yeah. That's what I'm that's that, that, yeah, that's that's how I feel. Like even walking in, I was like, Oh, should I leave my coffee in the car? Now, <laughs> because if I spill my coffee in our on the home field, yeah, it'll be all right. Well, our studio is like <laughs> is the living room is more like the den. Remember the people used to have yeah, the den. The den. We That's have where the you den. go to watch TV. You hang out. You have some snacks. You know, I tell you, my not that we do any of that, Rick, our engineer. This, oh no, of course not. <laughs> this is neither here nor there at all. Completely tangential. But my grandfather <laughs> was one of eight or nine. His parents had a three bedroom home. One bedroom was theirs, and one bedroom they turned into the nice living room. Oh, yeah, got to have a nice living <laughs> so room. So all there was was one bedroom for the other eight <laughs> to nine kids. Luckily, they were spread out, so, you know, one was out of the house by the time wow. the littlest was. But <laughs> isn't that something? Because you had to have your space that you would, oh, yeah, you would absolutely. do your entertaining or have your weddings. You know what I just found out, Dave? I just found this out during COVID-19. I put out a little thing. I want to know about the history of my home. My home's over 100 years old. Mm-hmm. We found out that there was a couple that was married in our living room. Oh. Still married to this day. So that's some good vibes right there. You should have them over for cool? uh, tea and scrumpets. Well, they're not around anymore. Oh. oh. Um, in our area. It's not that they, <laughs> they're not dead, but they're not in our area. <laughs> um, but yes, isn't that very, because I was hoping I could, I, I still might cool. try to get on the phone with them or something and just ask about the experience. Because how neat is that? That's that's kind of cool. Yeah. What would be better? You could rummage up old photos. Yeah. Oh. Of of the house the the way it was. Well, how long did you go? What, 50, 60 years ago? At least, yeah. That'd be cool. So cool. Um, But anyways, that goes back to the it was the formal living room. That's right. Formal enough. You had your weddings in there. So. I. That's where we are. We're in the formal living room. We're in the formal living room. (laughs) Carrie Blaney going to join us, Montague County clerk, who is uh, probably. Taking a big, deep breath today, she and her oh, staff. Yeah. Uh, canvassing was completed yesterday in Monongalia County. Several counties, including Harrison, resuming canvassing this morning to get that finished up and should have results certified 
I would think by the end of the day, uh, with with all the counties around the state, Kanawha County, it took nine hours, took Montingalia County over seven hours to complete the canvassing yesterday. So we'll check in with Carrie Blaney. Didn't get a chance to talk to her election night, so we'll kind of do our post view yeah. uh, review of the pre uh, preliminary of the uh, primary election, and never too early because after she takes that big deep breath, it's time to get, get ready, ready for November. And at this point, I it's hard to say what November will look like. Do we do the absentee ballots again in the general election? I would be inclined to say probably. Mm. Um, what's turnout going to be? A lot of things to just just talk about. We'll discuss with Carrie coming up in about uh, five minutes. Let's go ahead and hit the headlines. Mention canvassing uh, continuing in Harrison County, completed in Montingalia County. There is at least one race. I was looking at the Secretary of State's website this morning. Uh, and, and this is down in the third congressional district. So that's those southern counties where the race for the Democratic nomination for uh, third congressional district. It looks like Hillary Turner has overtaken Lacey Watson hmm. by just under 50 votes. Just under 50 votes. That that seems destined for a recount. But uh, otherwise, I didn't see... Hmm. Nothing left out at me. Uh, nothing locally changed as far as results right. go. Uh, everything kind of trended the way we thought they would. Montague County ended up adding uh, 672 ballots to the count. Um, did deny some for various reasons. Uh, we actually have some clips from Tom Bloom. I don't, but th- there were reasons provisional ballots uh, were rejected. So about 672 ballots added to the count. We should know tomorrow. Mac Warner is going to join me on talk line tomorrow, Secretary of State. Who owes who coffee? Yeah. yeah. Okay. I, I definitely uh, foresee me owing you buckwheat cakes. That, that oh, seems that's like a done a, deal. That's done. But uh, coffee. Coffee is still up in the air. Because uh, that was, uh, so buckwheat cakes, we we did a little bet based off of voter turnout, whereas oh. the the coffee was based off of provisional ballots. Now, if I make you a K-cup while we're in the good living room, <laughs> in the formal living room, does that count? You, they've got some fancy K-cups up there. They do. It's not, it's not like the off-brand, here's your, your cowboy coffee, sludge <laughs> K-cup. They've got up there, it's like, ooh, ooh it's a cinnamon tart. Oh, vanilla cream. Van- oh, yeah, vanilla caramel. <laughs> Meanwhile, we've got so, kerosene yeah. over at the other building. But that's what you get in the lived-in in den. The, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a couple of other headlines. A Pennsylvania man's been charged after a chase in Montingalia County. Um, tell me if you've heard this story before. Runs from the cops, wrecks his car, tries to flee on foot, ends up in jail. Hmm. Uh, 19-year-old Deshaun Coleman has been charged with an armed robbery at a residence on Huntington Avenue in Morgantown. Uh, WVU football player. Football players returned for voluntary workouts starting yesterday. And uh, one of the players did test positive for COVID-19. And here's one way to think about it, if you like statistics. Statistically, we're running statewide rate of about 1.7%. So out of 100 players and another 30-some staff, you would think at least one of Mm -hmm. them would test positive, and one of them did. Uh, So he and the guys who have had close contact with him are self-isolating for a couple of weeks. Okay. Uh, So what does that mean for them? Will they maybe be doing at-home lifting? I mean, what does that look like in regards to conditioning you know, I don't for know. football? I, I really don't know. I because don't know that's a couple of weeks do you, that you're not conditioning, theoretically. I, what does, what, when you self-isolate, what does that 
That doesn't mean you are locked in a room. No, I wonder I just, if it means that they will work out together if there's a handful of them. That's um, a thought. But then what does that sterilization process look like? And I don't know. I just have questions about mm. that. I wonder what that... Joe Bracado, I know you're listening Yeah, right Joe, now. get on that. Joe, get us some answers. Because a couple of weeks out of a, a strength and conditioning period of time is... is that's That can feel very you significant. Feel it, now, this is coming from the guy that hasn't done strength and conditioning in a while. Mm-hmm. But I remember, vaguely, just a weekend coming back on that Monday. Sure. You feel it. So yeah. two weeks, that's yeah. a long time. I feel like that could set you back. Um, we'll probably be talking about this a little bit later in the week after the Harrison County Commission has some time to consider it. But there is um, a request or petition or consideration to remove the Stonewall Jackson statue in Clarksburg. So uh, we'll, uh, we'll talk more about that as the week goes on. Carrie Blaney calling in, Montague County Clerk. We'll talk to her about the primary election. We'll rehash it all how'd it go could we do it better what did we learn we'll talk about it next 915 dave and sarah you're listening to the talk of the town on wajr yesterday montague county commissioners spent the day and i mean they spent the day uh, seven and a half, or almost seven and a half hours acting as the board of canvassers, canvassing the primary election results from Tuesday. Montague County Clerk Carrie Blaney and her staff have been putting in a lot of long hours leading up to the election. And uh, at least for one day, uh, we'll allow them to take a break before we get ready for the general. Carrie joins us on the show. Good morning, Carrie. <laughs> Good morning. Thank do, you. Do you guys get a day off before you start ramping up for November? <laughs> well, not really, because, uh, you know, our daily duties and the clerk's office continue on whether we're putting on an election or not so we're back at it again this morning how'd canvassing go yesterday well really well um we spent um it it took us a full day but uh, because we had so many absentee ballots that had to be hand counted also but um it went really well very smooth what are the checks and balances that are put in place for hand counting? You know, I think we've gotten so equipped and so used to having the, the computers to lean on. So what does that process look like? Well, uh, the process is to check the computers. And in our county, we do a rigorous public testing before the election to make sure that all of our electronic equipment is working correctly. So during a canvas period, the county commission, who sits as a board of canvassers, will randomly select two precincts to hand tally. And you have teams of Democrats and Republicans that we pull the ballots, um, the activation cards that the voters cast at those uh, Uh, randomly selected precincts, and the hand tallying teams will actually hand count the votes for those particular candidates and and the other contests on that ballot to compare that to the results that the machine came up with for those same precincts. Talking to Montague County Clerk Carrie Blaney after canvassing yesterday. Some of the ballots were rejected. What reasons were provisional ballots or absentee ballots not counted? Uh, normal reasons. A voter appeared to vote at a precinct and was not registered to vote at all in the county, or they appeared to vote at a precinct in which they did not live. And after being instructed the, to go to the correct precinct, they decided just to vote there and it made that vote provisional. 
So we didn't see any unusual um, provisional ballots than we typically see in any election. How many provisionals did, did Montague County end up with? There were 297 total provisionals, I believe, and 184 of those were counted. We were expecting, actually, we didn't know what to expect. We just kind of threw some random numbers out there. But were you expecting a higher number than that, or were you kind of like the rest of us going, well, we'll, we'll wait and see after all the absentee ballots come in? I was expecting somewhat of a higher number because of the absentee ballots. I think a lot of our voters in the county requested an absentee ballot early when uh, the height of the pandemic was uh, was we were put into the height of the pandemic and they requested an absentee ballot and then they held on to it to see if there was going to be an in-person election or not. And so I was expecting a higher provisional count because if they had requested an absentee ballot, did not bring it with them to the polling location, then that would make it a provisional ballot. But we, And we saw some of those uh, during the provisional ballot uh, process at Canvas, but not as many as I had expected. So I think that our uh, the information that we put out uh, through our ads, through the information we had on our website, through the constant discussions that we had on the radio or in the news to make our voters informed and aware of what they could do if they had an absentee ballot, I think helped a lot. Do you predict things looking very similar whenever we do get into our November election? I know it's hard to predict what will happen in the world with COVID-19, but do you imagine that this process will, will sort of stick for this year? I think so. I think that um, I think that the process worked. It was difficult uh, because it was a primary election. So you had three different ballot styles and the voters had to be pretty educated about how to vote in a primary election when they were voting absentee, because if a voter was registered as a no-party affiliated voter, they could make a choice of a ballot. Um, Many of those uh, voters who applied for an absentee didn't make that choice when they applied because they had forgotten or they didn't think of it until they actually got the ballot. And then there was a process we would work with them to try to get them the ballot that they requested. But in the general election, everyone gets the same ballot. So you don't, you're only dealing with one ballot style. And I think that if they continue uh, allowing, uh, opening up the absentee process to all voters, I think that uh, you're going to see a similar uh, process for the November election that we, we just went through for the primary. You know, I I didn't personally hear any complaints, and usually this show, we often hear those when there is one. <laughs> so we didn't hear any complaints about the process or, you know, confusion around communications or even what it looked like in regards to safety and cleaning and any of the concerns that folks may have. Did you hear any of that during this election? No, I didn't hear any, uh, I didn't hear any complaints. I, there there were some, we had, a, I would say, less than 20 uh, voters that we were working with that had difficulty getting their ballot by mail uh, for, for whatever reason. But we mailed out over 14,000 absentee ballots. And like I said, we only had about 20 
that we were working with on a pretty consistent basis to try to make sure that they received their absentee ballot by mail and, and were able to return it. But I think that the process really worked in that people could track their absentee ballot online. Our office did a phenomenal job in making sure that everything that came in in the mail or through the email or by the fax was entered into the system the day that it came in so that the voter could see, yes, my ballot was received by the clerk's office or, you know, I mailed my ballot on Monday and today's Friday and they still haven't received it. So the voter was very much aware at all parts of the process of where their ballot was and how it was being handled. And I think that made a huge difference uh, with our with the electorate and with the voters themselves being comfortable with, you know, voting by mail and by the absentee ballot process. Long County Clerk Carrie Blaney joining us. Uh, Carrie, I've, I've covered a few elections now uh, in my day, and, and I'll tell you, and I have never worked with a county that runs them as efficiently uh, as your staff does. Incredible job. In fact, I think you were the first ones done uh, you surprised even Hoppy Kirchville uh, Tuesday night, we heard. Uh, just, well, I mean, it, you, it runs smoothly. Problems that come up, you and your staff take care of them, and uh, I, th- I think you all deserve a, a big uh, pat on the back for that. Oh, well, thank you very much. If you can surprise Hoppy, then you're doing something, <laughs> I think. But, no, we, we really did. Uh, I can't say enough about uh, our poll workers. You know, we had uh, close to 200 poll workers who worked on Election Day, We've got uh, about 25 full-time staff and part-time staff that work in the county clerk's office that have been working on this election for the last three months every day, uh, regardless of what your normal duty is. Uh, when you work for the county clerk's office, everybody works elections. And um, it was a very stressful to do it in the middle of a pandemic, but uh, we were able to make it work, and I think everything worked out uh, you know, worked out very well, and I'm I'm happy that the voters were uh, well taken care of. That's our first and foremost goal. Uh, you know, we do all this work for the elections, and if the voters are not comfortable and uh, willing to come out and take part in the process, then it's, you know, we're doing it um, for naught. And I'm just very happy that, uh, you know, everything worked out very well. Um, you know, getting done quickly is not always our goal. Getting done efficiently and accurately is more important. And I'm just, I'm just very thankful that we have the processes in place to make that happen. Montague County Clerk Carrie Blaney. Carrie, congratulations on getting this one in the books, <laughs> and we'll be talking again soon. November's not that far away. Well, thank you all very much. It's without your your help in getting the word out to the voters, this would be a lot more a uh, difficult process. So thank you all very much. Thanks to all the voters out there who came and participated in the process and we'll look forward to talking with you again. Carrie Blady, Mongay County Clerk. Thank you, Carrie. Um, thank you. Bye-bye. One of the best. I think she's the best in the state. Mm-hmm. And I've told her that. I've tried. Oh, I agree. Oh, no, I don't want to accidentally pigeonhole her into a statewide race like I've done other people. Yeah, yeah. I've told her. She should. She should. Coming up, open phone opportunities, 800-765-TALK, 800-765-8255, 304-TALK, 304 is the text line, or we're on Twitter as well. It's 9.30, let's get a news update, Metro News Anchor Desk, find out what's happening all across West Virginia. 
Now back to the talk of the town on WAJR. Phones are open, 800-765-TALK, 800-765-8255, 304-TALK, 304 is the text line. Uh, we're on the Twitter, at Dave and Sarah AM is our Twitter handle. Uh, where did that go? I had it in the stack of stuff. Uh, I have nothing in my stack. No, it's no only in my stack, material. because I, I like to sometimes just throw stuff out at you <laughs> and, and get a genuine reaction, as they say. This is going to be, you might be shocked at actually what I have to say here. You may hear this later on Talkline, by the way, just saying. Um, but, 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 coming up tonight, Morgantown City Council specifically meeting uh, for their regular meeting. And one of the items on the uh, informational agenda, if you will, is the uh, code of conduct from the Morgantown Police Department. Yes, that has been a topic of discussion. Um, we have had, oh, I don't know the exact number of protests, but three weeks of protest mm-hmm. on a regular basis in Morgantown uh, that have gone along with the protests around the country in the wake of the death of George Floyd, uh, protesting police brutality. Uh, there have been calls for defunding police departments. We can get into that whole topic uh, at another time. However, this is going to come up tonight at Morgantown City Council, and I am, one, interested to hear the the information, always interested to hear the straight information, but also the discussion and the dialogue. And one of the things, if you really dive into the, and I'm talking Morgantown specifically here, if you dive into the uh, policies and procedures and what the, uh, the department has put in place over the last decade or so, you will find a lot of similarities into the quote-unquote, reforms that are being proposed uh, across the country. Morgantown's been ahead of the curve. Morgantown, I think, has been active in community policing, trying to bridge gaps, trying to um, get officers acquainted with neighborhoods, uh, trying to make people more comfortable, trying to understand each other long before this whole um, movement began three, what's been three, four weeks ago. So I'm interested to hear that conversation, but I don't think a lot of people are aware of it because... Well, one, I don't think a lot of us have a whole lot of interaction with police unless we're getting, you know, in, in my case, personal experience, unless I'm getting pulled over for speeding. Um, I'm not having a lot of interaction. So I don't know that a lot of people are aware. And I'm sure at night you don't sit down and pick up your uh, novel and decide, I'm going to read the Morgantown Police Department's uh, policies and procedures here. But I think Morgantown, specifically Morgantown, has been ahead of the curve with that because you have a unique population of residents and students you have to deal with. You do have to deal with crowd control with WVU football games, basketball games. We've seen the parties in Morgantown that get into the areas of, um, I don't want to throw the R word out there, riot, but let's be honest, they, they have reached that potential where things are on the brink of getting out of control. So you have to have these policies and procedures in place. And I think these policies and procedures have been in place in Morgantown. And if you look at the data, you look at the information, uh, there haven't been the kind of complaints that you see in other areas of the country. Does that mean you can't get better? No, of course. You can always get better. There are always better ways to do things. But it'll be interesting to hear that discussion tonight and what kind of information is presented. And looking at that police department as a part of a bigger system, which is obviously, I think, what, what this larger national conversation is about is systemic breakdowns from the top down. And so even if you have your department for your community working quite well, what does the system as a whole look like? And and what role does your municipality play in that? Um, yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to hear 
that conversation for sure. Is it via Zoom still tonight? Yeah. yeah I, then still then you might not be able to hear it. <laughs> that is my biggest complaint about the Zoom meetings. I, I have had a lot of difficulty. If you're going to do them, I beg of you, city <laughs> of Morgantown counselors and administration, uh, do a little Google search on best practices for Zoom. Things like as soon as everyone enters, muting them until they want to speak. Or there's so much extra background noise or coughs or things like that that make it very difficult to to hear, I have found. Uh, but that's just a personal pet peeve. The, the more we have moved into the world of Zooming, the more I get, um, I think that there's specific Zoom etiquette especially if you're doing something as important as a city council meeting, I think Zoom etiquette should be considered. Um, but yeah, I think it's an important conversation. And, you know, it's an important conversation that I think is happening nationally and I honestly think is is starting to and will continue to spread as a, a worldwide conversation in a lot of places. So we'll see. That's coming up tonight. Morgantown City Council meeting It begins at 7, 7 o'clock, right? Correct. Uh, it, it is virtual. We'll have it covered for you. We'll probably talk uh, at length tomorrow. So virtual double-edged sword there, because again, I think that there can be some, uh, it's a little bit harder to hear, things like that. However, you don't really have an excuse for not showing up in the same way. Um, now, if you had a, if you had a complete conflict and were unable to attend altogether, sure. But for a lot of people we've heard, well, we can't because I can't leave the house because I've got the kids, or I can't because I can't uh, get transportation there, or I can't, well... As long as you have internet, a phone or a device of some sort, and I get it, not everybody has those things, but if you have access to those things, you can attend these meetings now. And so that to me is a um, a point I'd like to make in regards to we could have a little bit, this may be a time for more community involvement, which to me is exciting. Really? I got a thought on Zoom meetings. I'll share it to you, share it with you after the break. Okay. It's almost the complete opposite. Go figure. It's 940. <laughs> Back after this. We're talking about your town on WAJR. All right, we were talking about virtual meetings, and I'm not sure how we got there, but we got there. And that's become the trend with COVID-19, and, and understandably so. Sarah, half glass full over there, mm-hmm. saying it's it's an opportunity to get more involved. Uh, there's no excuse. To say, well, I can't make it down there. It's, it's on your phone. It's on your laptop. If you've got internet access, you can get to it. I don't know it. where to go. I don't want to pay for parking. I don't sure. Wanna, we've heard all sure. the excuses. Here's the downside. Mm-hmm. There's less accountability. Because... If you are an elected official now, you can have a virtual Zoom meeting and you can say what you want to say. You can vote the way you want to vote, and you should. I, I, I fully endorse that. But afterward, you click your camera off, you shut your laptop, and you go back to your living room. You don't have to go face a newspaper reporter, a radio reporter, a TV reporter to explain why you did what you did. You don't have to answer your phone when we try to call, or you don't have to answer an email. You, you can avoid it if you really want to. Mm-hmm. And I think that adds a layer of, uh, <laughs> getting text over here. Uh, it, it takes away some accountability. It takes away some transparency because you can, you can make outrageous claims and then you don't have to answer them on the back end. I like accountability. 
we were talking about transparency during the break yeah. regarding another issue. I like transparency, and I think the virtual meeting takes away from that. I also think that when you are in a, a live setting, and we'll get back there eventually, and you have to look someone in the face and say that same thing to them, or you have to make a decision and you're looking at a crowd of whoever, whoever that might be, or you see 45 people show up to a meeting all speaking uh, out for something or against something, that leaves an impact that you don't see, that I don't think you can get across uh, via a virtual meeting. You can also manipulate things as well via a virtual meeting with what is shown and what you choose to show and how you choose to portray it versus if somebody walks up to a podium, uh, you know, I, I think you get a more accurate picture. So it, with everything, there's your negative and your positive. Yeah, well, and I don't disagree at all with anything you just said. All I'm saying is if they are going to be on Zoom right now because this is the world that we're in, then as a community, they're is potential for more people to get involved and to, at the very least, maybe you can't get your specific questions answered in that moment. Maybe you can't walk up to them face-to-face right after the meeting. However, how many more people have access to even listening to the meeting and knowing what's going on? Because, as we've seen, turnout isn't awesome at these meetings, (laughs) to put it mildly. (laughs) They shouldn't be. I absolutely believe they shouldn't be. If you are doing your job, if you are running things correctly, it should be boring, and the people should be able to trust that you can do your job and do it well. Mm-hmm. If it if these meetings are full, to me, that's an indication that you've taken up something that has has sex appeal, for lack of a better description, or you're not doing your job right. Mm-hmm. Or there's major topics being discussed. And again, looking national, whether it be COVID nineteen or whether it be police reform, or there's also major topics that but could that's, be discussed. That's a once in a blue moon. In sure. my opinion. But what I'm talking about is right now. Right. We have Zoom going on right now. This is an opportunity for people to listen to conversations without the excuse of, I couldn't make it downtown. And so as a community member, as long as you have access to some sort of a device and internet, you can participate without excuse by way of at the very least listening, knowing what is being said. And is it the ideal scenario? I don't think so. I've said that from the beginning. I hate, uh, guys, I hate Zoom. We had to move our entire business to Zoom for a two-month period. And I also understand Zoom fatigue and being Zoomed out. I'm hearing that a lot. Whenever, you know, we were doing some events and things and some special seminars and and nutrition chats and things like that. And people started to, to slack off on coming and they quit coming. And I said, do you guys not like the content? No, it's not that. We're Zoomed out. They're on Zoom all day, every day for work. So I understand being Zoomed out. All I'm saying is, if this is the scenario that is playing out right now, and this is the option we have, which I think soon enough, they can be moving back into to real in-person meetings. But if this is the option we have for right now, you can get involved. You can understand what's being talked about, and you can listen. 800-765-TALK, 800-765-8255 is the phone number. 304-TALK, 304 is the text line. Speaking of the text line, it's kind of like a party line uh, <laughs> that we share across the network. And again, I have no idea what is going on down in uh, Charleston this morning. People are getting. But, well, no, there's one guy. There is one texter. <laughs> we don't get, you know, caller ID here. We get, we get the number. Right. Um, he is livid. <laughs> I mean, this, he he zoomed out. Using choice words. <laughs> uh, choice descriptions, choice words. <laughs> couple of times i've totally not paid attention i've been reading these texts <laughs> oh boy 950 got to take a break dave and sarah 
Join the conversation at 1-800-765-8255. This is the Talk of the Town on WAJR. Get to a couple of texts and then we'll uh, make way for... Well, for me. (laughs) I came off so... I didn't mean it to. It just kind of rolled. (laughs) I forgot. I'm in for Hoppy today. Uh, text in the show, 304-TALK-304. Imagine if Haymaker Forest debacle happened and that meeting was on Zoom. Do you think they would have tabled that or voted it to move it forward? Uh, I think we would have the forest. Sarah, that's why we have you to listen to in the morning, so we don't have to listen to them. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Morgantown City Council meets tonight. We'll talk about it tomorrow. Uh, Harrison County Commission, I think their meetings, is it today or tomorrow? I believe it's tomorrow. Uh, they're still canvassing today, but they are going to uh, take up uh, or consider removal of the Stonewall Jackson statue in uh, Clarksburg. He was born there. Jackson was born in uh, Clarksburg in 1824. The statue, if you're wondering, was erected in 1953 by the uh, United Daughters of the Confederacy. So there's that issue coming up. Uh, we'll probably talk about it a little bit more uh, later in the week. 800-765-TALK, 800-765-8255, 304-TALK, 304 is the text line. Uh, canvassing, I did mention that, still continuing across the state. The only race that, and I've looked at this fairly quickly this morning, Sarah, uh, the only race that may change, and this looks like it's destined for a recount, is down in that House of Representatives 3rd Congressional District where Hillary Turner has taken a 48-vote lead over Mr. Lacey Watson. Uh, down there in that congressional race. Uh, And that's the Democratic nomination in the 3rd Congressional District uh, in the U.S. House of Representatives. Otherwise, uh, let me check that Attorney General. I know the Attorney General's race was close. Uh, Scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. Looks like, uh, wow, that's really close. But uh, Isaac Spinagle, with 100% of counties reporting, uh, looks like is holding on to, it's less than 100 votes. Yeah, we might have a couple recounts. Uh, well, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to do quick math here in my head. 40, 46 votes, it looks like. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's close. It's it, it's very close, but uh, Spinagle is uh, hanging on to a slim lead over Sam Brown at Petsonk. We'll talk more about it coming up uh, later, probably this morning. Mac Warner going to join, uh, join me tomorrow on Metro News Talk Line. Hopefully all this is sorted out by then. Uh, who else? Who else is on the show today? You know who's on the show? Oh, Clay Marsh. Clay Marsh is going to be on the show today. <laughs> okay. <laughs> are we seeing the sec- do, are we seeing the second wave or are we still at the end of the first wave of COVID-19? Because I, uh, we kind of forgot about it for about two and a half weeks you know, and, there. And, and I think that this is one of the – we haven't been covering it as much. We, there's also been other things to cover. Sure. Um election included and of course again these these national conversations and but I do I just wonder Dave I wonder and I wonder what will happen post July 4th and I was telling you we've only got a minute here but I was telling you um I have a friend who I have a number of friends and family who live in New York and I have a friend who was sort of driving through and she did not go anywhere she wore her mask she she waved at us through the window to see my boys uh, because where she is, it is still so shut down and she has very personal people in her life who were dying, who worked on shows with her on Broadway, fairly healthy people. And, you know, and, and I think that 
I'm not about fear mongering. I'm definitely not about having the economy shut down. I'm a business owner. I understand these struggles in a way that, trust me, trust me, it's very deep and very personal for me. Um, and I just don't know. I don't know what is best. I think there's just so much that we don't know. And I feel like a lot of the business owners may feel like me where you kind of go, what do you do? Because on one hand, if you're starting to loosen things up, God forbid somebody that's in your clientele get sick or your staff members get sick. And if you start to loosen things, things up, do you lose, in my case, do I lose members? We've lost some because they're not comfortable coming back to group fitness yet. Okay. Then the flip side is if you have things too tight, you have people mad about that. We're in this world where you can't win. And that's all I have to say. There's no, I, I wish I could give a more positive note to that. <laughs> Going to bring the show full circle here in the last 30 seconds. Yeah. Text her into the show. Had a friend whose parents had a huge room that was not permitted to sit in, but they covered all the furniture in plastic. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, there's that. Yeah. Uh, but if you did spill something while not sitting in there, at least it wouldn't stain. Right. right. <laughs> so that's why Hoppy's got the chair covered in plastic. Right. <laughs> if you missed the show, get it on demand, WAJR.com. Oh, we'll talk goodness. Morgantown City Council uh, coming up tomorrow morning. Your calls, texts, and tweets always welcome as well. All right, I'm going to uh, refill the cup of coffee. I'm sitting in for Hoppy Kirchville. Dr. Clay Marsh will join me right off the top of the show a little bit later. Uh, Jason Harshbarg with uh, Wavanga as well. Talk to you tomorrow. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.